Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. you remember talking to me the night that I came out of the closet? I completely do. Got it! <laughs> okay, tell me what you remember. I shouldn't have been, I'm like, who did I think I was? You were perfect, first of all. Roll the dice, go for it. And it's like insane. <laughs> Obviously, I guess because we were in neighboring towns, I was just like, girl, you have nothing to lose. But it could have been crazier if you were like in a really risky situation. But at the time, you were already out, girl. You were doing things. You were showing. You were in a glass house. From Crooked Media, this is Unholier Than Thou. I'm your host, Philip Picardi. We've covered a lot of ground so far this season, from the redemption of Christianity to the rebirth of friends and loved ones during the pandemic. But as this podcast starts to come to a close, I wanted to go on a little bit more of an internal journey. In my interview with Chris Steadman from earlier this season, we talked about the importance of queer gathering spaces online. And I mentioned that one of the most important people in my coming out process was actually somebody I'd never even met in real life up until fairly recently. When I started to realize that I might be gay, I didn't know where to turn to. There was nobody, faculty or student, family, friends, community, I could think of who I'd feel safe chatting with. The one teacher who did hint to me that I could share anything with him had also cornered me after school in his classroom and groped me. I was too ashamed to say anything, and the whole experience left me even more anxious and afraid. If this is what being gay is, I thought, I certainly don't want to be it. This is the point in my life when I started going to church a lot more. Ever since I was a kid, my dad would go every Sunday, mostly by himself, and he was more than happy to have me go with him. Inevitably, though, he'd fall asleep in the pews and start to snore loudly, and I'd be stuck feeling all alone in that big white church. I'd tune out the priest, which was easy to do, hello, and I'd look up at the massive Jesus on the crucifix and beg, please fix me. I felt in more ways than one that at a mere 13 years old, I was living a double life of sorts. I had a persona I presented to my friends and family and another one that existed when I was alone. After everyone had fallen asleep in my house, I'd sneak to the computer, wait for the dial-up internet connection, hear that iconic You've Got Mail tagline, and then log onto a website called gay.com, which promised to introduce me to local gay men in my area. Of course, I lied about my age, and I never uploaded a profile photo, just in case someone from the area would, I don't know, out me and call my parents. And look, let's not mince words. The internet, even then, was a strange and potentially dangerous place for a young, scared, and lonely teenager to be. The problem with relegating LGBTQ folks and our sexualities to the shadows, as society did, and still in many ways does, is that so much of what should be done in the light accepting ourselves, loving ourselves, finding community, was done in the dark. Like many gay men my age, I was glued to a computer screen in the wee hours of the night, chatting with men of dubious ages, trying to understand myself and my relationship to sex. It took me a while to reckon with the fact that I came of age and understanding, not thanks to my immediate surroundings, family, faith, or environment, but instead, 
things completely to strangers on the internet. I guess to put a finer point on it, really, thanks to a stranger on the internet, singular. There was one person who lived the next town over, and he also claimed to be of adult age, but definitely was not. He was out, and he was brave. He put his face on his profile, something I could never dream of doing. He was beautiful. He had these big, dark eyes with matching, dark, curly eyelashes and this absolute movie star, big, wide smile. And he wore, what else, tons of Abercrombie, pink Abercrombie. In a world before MySpace or Facebook or Instagram, he was my ultimate influencer, not just because he was beautiful and tasteful and all the things I thought that gay men should be, which was admittedly a very narrow view of what gay men should be or look like, but really more importantly, because he was out and he seemed so unafraid. Over a span of months, I asked him about everything I possibly could, all while hiding behind my incognito little profile. I asked him things like, how did he come out? What did he say to his parents? What kinds of books was he reading? What about television shows? Had he ever kissed a boy? What did it feel like? How could he be sure he was gay? Did he think I was gay? Did he think I could be bisexual? Did he think that watching gay porn made me gay? Did liking the color pink make me gay? Was he getting bullied at school? What did his parents think of him? Did he still have friends? Did he consider himself a sinner? Did he ever worry about going to hell? And most importantly, what size polo did he wear from Abercrombie? After I came out of the closet, I dished my profile on gay.com altogether. MySpace was booming, and it was an easier place to commune with the, I don't know, maybe five other out gay people in a 10-mile radius of my hometown. I lost touch with my stranger friend on the internet and figured I may never see him again. To be honest, I was kind of grateful for the relative anonymity of the exchange with him. I looked back on the closeted version of myself with, like, a sort of embarrassment, the kind of feeling that you get when you see a picture of yourself with braces. But of course, as these stories tend to go, a decade flashed by and New York City called to us both. And suddenly he popped up on someone's Instagram and I instantly recognized him, that gorgeous face, like he was frozen in time. I pressed follow and he followed back. And for a while, we left it at that. It wasn't until 2019 that we finally found each other face to face. I was the editor-in-chief of Out Magazine, and it was the 50th anniversary of the uprising at Stonewall. The magazine was throwing a pride party at the Standard Hotel, and hilariously enough, Lil' Kim was my guest of honor. The team at Out insisted that we hire this up-and-coming floral designer named Lutfi to do our tables, and he transformed the dining room into a queer tropical paradise. Lutfi was helped, of course, by my friend from the internet, that dear old stranger. And finally, I got to hug him and tell him what he meant to me. This episode is called Reunion, and I think that's a fitting word on so many levels. Coming to Harvard this year also, of course, meant coming home to Boston. And I am once again driving on the roads where I first learned to drive a car. I'm living in the first city I ever knew. And I may have come back as a fully formed adult. But sometimes navigating this very familiar terrain, this familiar land, reminds me of the scared, lonely, and desperately hopeful child that I once was. So to honor that sweet little child, I wanted to invite my old friend here to chat with me today. Bambi, welcome to Unholier Than Thou. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you for having me in your yellow couch. I'm so excited. <laughs> First, I guess to set the scene, because nobody can set the stage quite like you can, can you talk about the place 
where we first met, which was over a dial-up internet connection on the website, which I think RIP, but I'm not I'm not sure. I'll fact check that gay.com. Um, I'm thinking it, it had to be their gay.com. It could have been any of the numerous AOL chat rooms. Yes. And yeah, that is how we met. I guess it was a time where payphones were still around. <laughs> A time where gays did not have a five-mile radius way of connecting. Mm-hmm. And um, if you felt like you were the only gay in the village, you really had to roll the dice and kind of put yourself out there. And uh, chat rooms and phone lines and all these weird things were the way of us connecting. Yeah, and it was a it was a strange time to be, I think, a young person coming of age or, or coming to understand their sexuality because like you said, if you're the only one in the village, which I think both of us felt like we were in our respective and neighboring towns, the logical place to turn became the internet. Yes. And I think it still is very much, but for us, there was nowhere to turn to, especially in a time where people didn't have the courage to be themselves and individuality wasn't celebrated for us, there was no other way to kind of find people that you could identify with. And at the same time, you were sort of my town crier because you were in the town that neighbored my hometown, which was North Andover, Massachusetts. And you were, as I understand, or as I remember, maybe I'm misremembering, but I'm pretty sure you were already out of the closet. I was so gay. I couldn't... (laughs) I've been gay, sis. Like, I've been so gay. It's terrible. I, I, I never had another option. So for me, yeah, I was gay and I came out early. I was lucky to have, like, a support system of, you know, preteen girls that loved me. And my mother being a hairdresser was kind of, like, she fell into it quite easily. Um, but, yeah, there was nothing left. And I felt like I, I, I couldn't fake it. I couldn't do anything else but to be myself. So I took the bull by the horns and just came out. What did that look like? How old were you? I don't know. What were we, like 14 or something? We were like 13, something like that. I was 13 when we first started chatting on gay.com. I came out when I was 14. We chatted for a long, (laughs) a long time before I finally came out. And the thing is like feeling at 13 that you had been gay for a lifetime and you needed to get it off your chest. That's the crazy. Everybody needs to know. Like, I can't do this anymore. Um... (laughs) I don't know how we were so intense and so lit back then, but we definitely were. Um, As soon as I found out, because I skipped before I walked, right? So I felt like instead of trying to hide um, my identity and looking at bullies or people that were trying to kind of out me, I was just like, yeah, I'm that girl. What's up? And it ended up being really great. I got embraced by the village, right? Um, I was one of the kids that ended up doing the... um, the speeches and the talks to the other little younger gays in the in my high school. So that was kind of weird. But like looking back at it, I was like, wow, you've always been that bitch. You just kind of had um, no other way to go. And that comes from a little bit of your family environment, right? Like you were, you kind of nodded to your mom being a hairdresser. So I guess being gay was very much within, I'm sure, her existing community. So I'm sure that kind of helped smooth things over for for the family dynamic. You know, I think to a degree it does. I think when um, in the business of aesthetics, uh, there's lots of colorful characters. And my mother was always very vibrant and very much herself. And I felt that I 
was, you know, her descendant and being myself was the only thing I could do. So, yeah. And you also had an aunt, right? Like one of your tias was very supportive of you too? Yes, my aunt as well. She was the one I first came out to before my mom, just in case you needed backup, you know what I mean? To know how it was going to go. Um, and they were always very supportive of me. They were like, you know, we thought you were different, um, but we didn't know you were gay. <laughs> it's funny because even in our like limited interactions, so we connected on gay.com and then I think we took things to AOL Instant Messenger. I had an entirely separate login on AOL Instant Messenger, which was like my gay alter ego. I'm sad I can't remember the screen name. We were I was doing this exercise with my friends yesterday where we were like, what was your screen name? Do you remember yours? No, I was trying to go back into that. And I know that I went through because like getting a screen name was such a weird thing at that time, especially for our age. So I don't know if I if I was somewhere between like a chunky monkey or somewhere between uh, chocolate soul five five five, you know. Not chocolate soul. Not chocolate soul, honey. She was there trying to be sultry. It was a different time. R and B was really trending on TV. You know. You're right. You're right. It was the Janet Jackson era before the Super Bowl. I'm trying to tell people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're, no, I I get the vibes actually, and and my straight screen name was Lil Italian Stallion 77. So I, and there were some numbers in there. So I can't, I can't even imagine what my gay screen name must have been if my straight screen name was that egregiously bad. Right. If you're already giving it, you were already giving it. I was already, I knew exactly what I was doing, unfortunately. It's an early, um, it was an early time to be coming into the idea of sexual marketing, but we were, we were, we were the precursor to these Gen Z kids on TikTok. It was definitely that. I mean, and that was without having to serve face and body beforehand. Because let's face it, you don't have a face for radio. I'm surprised that no one's got you on a full screen somewhere on TV right now. Listen, baby, from your lips to God's ears, okay? <laughs> But thank you. But that was one of the things I remember about you. You had your whole ass face on your gay.com profile. Like you were just out there. And I was too scared to put my face on the profile because I didn't want people to out me. And then I couldn't believe that there was this like beautiful, young, incredibly confident person just the town over from me living this life that at the time, you know, I couldn't even imagine for myself. I was so scared to live the way that you were brave enough to live. Um, that's kind of you. I think like, yeah, being a bad bitch is not something you're born into. You're definitely <laughs> into one. And I feel that I was surrounded by bad bitches my whole life. So I was like, aren't I one of you guys? Like, what's up? Like, shouldn't I be leveling up? Um but it, it it is it's super interesting. We had to risk ourselves to meet people, or else there was another there wasn't another way. And um, I was so desperate to connect and to meet people and to not feel alone and to kind of do the things our friends were doing right. Like everybody was kind of like flirting and having crushes and doing all this stuff. And like, I was on the outside wondering what all these things felt like, you know? So I was like, let me just do it. Like, let's, 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 let's find someone. There has to be someone. Yeah. And as I, you know, as I've been reflecting on that period of time, 
and my friend JP Brammer wrote a book called Hola Papi, and, and he talks about this experience too of just kind of digital connection. That's my next little like thing. Me and my friend Marjan Carlo are trying to do a little book club around it. I was like, well, we need to kind of follow up and like, you know, see his whole saga. Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting um part of his book where he talks about this kind of early internet and like gay connection on the internet because I think one thing maybe a lot of us of our age group have not unpacked is that you know, when you relegate us to the shadows, we kind of connect in the shadows, which means that, like you said, we are putting ourselves at risk when we try to find community. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that we don't feel safe either being our authentic selves in our immediate community. And so we're exploring these kinds of like limits and boundaries of the self and, and of our expression online and creating alternative personas or ways of speaking or ways of existing behind computer screens. But there is a pernicious element to that too, because I remember a lot of the people that at least I was talking to were men, adult men in their forties, you know, and, and who knows how much older they could have been. There was definitely that. I mean, alongside us meeting, I've met so many wonderful people who I still keep in contact with. Like there's us, I met Leaf, who's like an alternative hip hop artist also there. Wow on the chat rooms and it's like, it's super interesting. Like now we're all in New York living these lives and we met like in a place that was full of creeps and weirdos. Cause that's a real thing mm-hmm. that the connection still persevered. But I will say that, that, that we are risking it and we're meeting a whole bunch of people who have been kind of cast in the dark and at the fringes of society. And we we feel safe there because we know that we're looking for something genuine. So we don't kind of like veer from our track. Yeah. And that kind of constant and desperate longing for community and the ability to, even amidst darkness, because I do think that that's, that's one way of, of putting what that space felt like, where it felt like darkness a lot of the times because it was a lot of people navigating identity and and their own issues with identity and a lot of people seeking things, kind of groping for things in the dark. It was the original, like, right? It's like the internet dark room, right? Like that's what we were doing. And as you're navigating coming to terms of sexuality, some of us were able to make meaningful connections like I did with you and find some sort of light. And then we become these adults who end up coming into the nightlife spaces and then finding each other once again in the dark, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think that, um, you know, you're born with your inherent sense of self. I think that you, as you're coming of age, you're trying to just voice what you already know. And in the process, things get complicated. But that's what I've always felt that the work that you do and by being in like Teen Vogue and doing this kind of stuff was so important because that's when you really kind of actually know the core of who you are. We try to modify ourselves and make ourselves um, more, you know, we become more pliable to fit into society's norms because we want to belong and we want to integrate. But you already know who you are, you know? And I think that at that time, that's the best time to kind of like really push your agenda and to kind of go forth with what you believe in, even though you're young and people might think that, what do you know? And what is the, you know, there's life is complicated, but the truth is 
the core of who you are. Your light has always been that, right? You're born with it. And embracing that and then becoming more of yourself with honoring that, right? That's the key of this whole game. That's what makes it so beautiful. And I think that us meeting and holding on to that is a testament to that, right? It's mm. like, that's it manifested. Do you remember talking to me the night that I came out of the closet? I completely do, which is- Get out of here! <laughs> which is crazy. Okay, tell me what you remember. I shouldn't have been, I'm mean, like, who did I think I was? Okay, like- I'm You were perfect, first of all. Roll the dice, go for it. And it's like insane. <laughs> Obviously, I guess, because we were in neighboring towns, I was like, girl, you have nothing to lose. But- it could have been crazier if you were like in a really risky situation. But at the time, you were already out, girl. You were doing things. You were, <laughs> you were showing. You were showing. You were in a glass house. <laughs> That's true. I was never um, in a discreet homosexual. That is for sure. As much as I tried, I remember at some point in the eighth grade before, like a year before I came out of the closet, I decided to get a bowl cut because I was like, that'll throw them off my track. Um, you know, it's like, as long as I look ugly, they won't think I'm gay. And um, that is, it's a, it's around that time that uh, we started connecting more online. And I, I don't remember exactly what it was. You told me to start watching the show Queer as Folk. Do you remember this? Oh my God, I did not. Queer as Folk was on Showtime at the time. I had no idea what it was. I didn't even know like what the word queer meant because my parents have such heavy Boston accents that when they say the word queer, they say queer. So I... <laughs> I didn't know that queer was a word that meant like LGBT at the time. So I would like go downstairs in the middle of the night, like on a school night, you know what I'm saying? And it was like on demand had just started. And so I would go to on demand and I would watch like whatever episodes of Queer as Folk that they had literally until the sun would come up because that show was like, by the way, they're reviving it, which is so cool. But, you know, at the time it was like, audaciously sexual, like actually revolutionary sexuality in a way that we still do not have on television. There was no camera panning upwards. It was like rough, sweaty, doggy on television, bondage, BDSM. There were partnerships where people were HIV positive. Like it was just, it was such a crash course. So you tell me to watch this show and that's like my first Like, other than Will and Grace, that was my only frame of reference for gay people. And then I'm watching Queer as Folk in the middle of the night. And then I would would sit with my finger on the off button of the television in case my dad came down the stairs because he always woke up in the middle of the night. (laughs) Yes. So you had me watching this show. And there was this episode. I don't know if you remember the episode where Justin comes out to his dad. And then his dad punches him in the face. Do you remember that episode? How could I forget? Tell me why I watched that episode and I immediately turn off the television, run up to my computer to de- like to instant message you, to IM you, to be like, I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to come out of the closet. It was the middle of the night. I'm screaming that you were just like, you know what? I'm going to set it off. This is going to go to need to know now. Now is when I need to know. That was the impetus. But it's to say, like, that's how important these kind of shows were, right? Because I think that often gay people are portrayed in this way where we are kind of desexualized and we live in little closets and we make things pretty. And it's like, yep. have like needs, desires, and we're not complex human beings that also want families and 
and the sense of belonging. So yeah, Queers Folk did a lot for the girls. It sure did. It sure did. And I ran to my computer to instant message you and it was like one o'clock in the morning. And, and that's when you were like, go do it, do it now. So crazy. It, it was good advice, right? Well, I walked into my parents' room and I came out of the closet. I turned on the lamps in their room and I came out of the closet. Good morning. And that very instant? That very instant, you told me to. I'm screaming. I literally was like, this is what my gay sage said to me. Like, I felt like I was Justin and you, you're literally, you were going by Brian at the time. Like, that was like, I was, I was like, here it is. Yeah. Well, you know what? It paid off, didn't it? <laughs> it sure did. It sure did. And the more you would have waited, the, the more time you would have wasted. That's a really good way of looking at it. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. It was um, it was a wild time. One of the things that you told me, which I did not obey, was you said, make sure you tell someone other than your parents first so that you have a safety net to fall back on. It was really good advice. Did you, who did you tell? I didn't. I went right to my parents. I had to get it off my chest and I felt like this was the moment and like that scene with Justin and his dad was in my head. So I was like also ready for a fight, you know? And yeah. So anyways, what I, what I will say is that I should have listened to you. I should have had a backup because it would have been helpful because things did not exactly go as planned with my parents, which is, which is fine. Everything ended up working out in the end. But, um, but yes, it was, it was very sage advice to experience on AOL Instant Messenger at one in the morning and, you know, from a gay.com chat room experience. It's, it's honestly, you don't know where it comes from, but it's definitely all around you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Unholier Than Now is brought to you by ZocDoc. Has this ever happened to you? You need to see a doctor, you search and find one that looks good, you wait on hold to book an appointment, you rearrange your schedule, and when you finally go in, you find out, ugh, this doctor doesn't even take your insurance. Luckily, there's a solution. Just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews and book an appointment in person or on video chat. You never have to wait on hold with a receptionist again. Whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com unholy and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com unholy and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash unholy. Unholier Than Now is brought to you by DoorDash. You've got back-to-back meetings, errands to run, and chores to take care of. What's the secret to clearing your to-do list? A little help from DoorDash. You can get dinner, household essentials, and everything on your grocery list delivered. 
Get what you want to eat right now and right to your door with DoorDash. Along with the restaurants you love, you can now get groceries and other essential items delivered with DoorDash. Get drinks, snacks, and other household items in under an hour. Craving late night ice cream? Forget that one key ingredient for dinner. Or maybe you just need to stock up for the week. With DoorDash, you can get everything in one app. With over 300,000 partners, you can support your neighborhood go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Popeye's, Chipotle, and everyone's perennial favorite, Cheesecake Factory. Ordering is easy and your items will be left safely outside your door when you choose contactless delivery drop-off. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code UNHOLY. That's 25% off up to $10 value and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code UNHOLY. Don't forget, that's code UNHOLY for 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change and terms apply. And please, folks, don't forget to tip your delivery people. Unholier Than That was brought to you by BetterHelp. What interferes with your happiness? Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a safe and private online environment. It's convenient and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's not self-help, it's professional counseling. And you can send a message to your counselor anytime. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. Plus, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. The service is available for clients worldwide, and there's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. Licensed professional counselors are specialized in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem. Anything you share is confidential. It's convenient, professional, and affordable. And if you don't take our word for it, you can check out the testimonials posted daily on their site. BetterHelp is not a crisis line. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com unholy. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com unholy. Unholier Than That was brought to you by Bev. Bev is a female-founded canned wine brand on a mission to transform the alcohol industry as we know it, creating a voice for women where there has never truly been one and doing so in a kind and approachable way. Their wines are dry, crisp, and a little fizzy, super refreshing and delicious. They are all zero sugar and only three carbs and 100 calories per serving. And they have six varietals, Rosé, Sauv Blanc, Pinot Gris, Pinot Noir, and their recently launched Sparkling Rosé, Glam and Glitz. The cans may look cute and tiny, but each can is a glass and a half of wine, which is perfect for when you don't want to open a bottle of wine just for yourself. A 24-pack is equal to eight bottles of wine. Their four-packs are great for gifting or hosting, and they're perfect for New Year goals like cutting back on sugar or drinking. Bev makes it easy to have a glass of wine and not overindulge. Plus, you can get two-day shipping straight to your door, and shipping is always free. We worked out a special deal for our listeners. Receive 20% off your first purchase, plus free shipping on all orders. I suggest trying their best-selling Ladies Night Variety Pack so you can check out all of their delicious varietals. Go to drinkbev.com slash unholy or use code unholy at checkout to claim this deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-B-E-V dot com slash unholy. Bev can also be found at retailers nationwide, including Target, Total Wine, Bevmo, and more. When... You look back at that period of time um, and you sort of alluded to wanting to experience the things that our friends were experiencing because we were kind of one of the only, if not the only gay person in the room, out gay person, I should say, at pretty much all times in our social calendars and in our events. 
When you think about like that inner child thing, about like healing the inner child, what kind of things do you want for him or what would what kinds of things would you say to him? You know, I actually turned back and I'm actually now trying to talk to him for advice. I find that now I'm just like, okay, can you remind me again that I'm that bitch? Because I feel like I forget all the time. And I was so sure of who I was at the time and knew that because at that time, I think that our identity was not that complicated in terms of like, we felt like being gay was like this big key into unlocking like a a portal where we could be who we wanted to be. And then, you know, you unlock this portal. Now you're in this place and now you have to define yourself with things that are outside of your sexuality. And I feel like I, I now look back to this person and I constantly ask this person advice. I don't feel like that. I feel like that person is the one that, that guides me. It's, it's the person that I, that I look for, for strength. It's the person that Mm. I want to, um, pull me out whenever I'm spiraling is a young Brian um, behind a computer screen or wearing whatever gay thing I thought was relevant at the time. Yes. You, you definitely had an enviable Abercrombie collection. I had so many of these pink polos. Yes, you did. You were wearing, like, what was going on? I mean, now that the 2000s are back and people are wearing these, like, Uggs and things, like, unironically. Like, ironically, yes. it was, like, the epitome of, of, like, being the girl. Yes, I literally thought it was fashion with a capital F. <laughs> I was like, no one can talk to me. Are you kidding me? I know what I'm doing. And my extra small polo shirt. Two, like, oh, and doubling them. Like, that was a crazy thing, too. Like, what are we doing wearing yeah. two polos? Like, the, like popped collars. Yeah. It was too much. But that sense of self, that confidence of like walk. I remember being in Andover High and feeling like I owned the whole school. Like, I feel like I felt like because I was wearing myself on the outside, can't nobody tell me nothing kind of energy, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that going, back to that person really is 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 what i constantly try to go do is remember that like it's really not that complicated and being true to yourself is the win i i've been thinking a lot about this period of time because of where i am right now like i'm i'm back in boston and and last night i was driving to visit my parents so i was like you know, you're like back on the road, right? Like I'm back on the roads that I used to drive in high school when I crashed my car like four times in a year and totaled two cars. Um, You know, like I, just the other day, I hit a parked car when I was driving. So it's like, I'm back on my bullshit. And I'm like driving up, you know, 93 North. I get to 213. I'm like in Methuen, like at the old spots where we used to go for like our iced coffees and like uh, the loop where we used to hang out after school thinking we were so cool. And it's weird to be driving on this terrain because the, the sheer positionality of it all, it just puts you right back into being that kid. And I feel a couple of things. Like, I think the most immediate thing I feel for that kid, especially thinking about that time, is like, I was really lucky to have you because it 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 felt like an unsafe place a lot of the time for a 13-year-old boy to be discovering sexuality. And there were a lot of unsafe conversations and unsavory conversations had at the time with 
men who had no business talking to a 13 year old in that way, right? The amount of creeps that I got into cars with were probably not the best, you know, but like, yeah, figure it out. And I don't begrudge us that. Do you know what I mean? Like we had no other option. And of course that's what we were going to end up doing because when we were relegated to the shadows and we were relegated to solitude and, and feeling like the only one, of course, as young people who were desperately seeking connection, we were going to try and find whatever we could to make us feel not alone. And then at the same time, I think about those young boys. And I do think also, I wish that, you know, I wish that the world was better for you. And I wish that the people around you were better for you, you know, and I wish that you didn't have to be alone. And so I hold, I hold that for, for those boys, for sure. I think that it's funny because it's looking back. I I don't think the younger, and, and it's funny because now you start to sound like the elder gays, right? I know. And it's like, oh, when I was your age, I couldn't even go down the street. And it's like, <laughs> I'm like, wow, it's like, it's completely amazing to be in a time where you're like, you have artists like Bill Nas X and there's like people who are radically gay and queer and having the ability to express their needs to wanting to be loved and, um, you know, how they feel. We didn't have any reflections of ourselves in culture, like the way that there is today. So it Mm -hmm. was very challenging and it was fully unsafe because at that time, I think being queer was especially seen as something that was a little more on the like unnatural side of things, a little more um, kind of like a weakness, very much like you know, a pansy kind of attitude towards our cities. And that was really what was like so crazy about the whole thing that we had really, truly no other option but to, you know, risk it all. The thing is, and like, this is the other, like the other side of this double-edged sword is that it was worth the risk. You know, like I, looking back on it, I can't change society, but I could have changed, you know, potentially the way that I behaved in that time and I wouldn't have changed a thing. Ma'am, are you kidding me? You coming out was one of the best things that's happened for all of us. You know, your work that you, since that moment, and you have always been such an amazing human. I remember telling you that I wanted to be a fashion designer and you were like, well, I'm going to do a fashion show. I'm going to do a fashion show. You should come and be part of my fashion show. And I was just like, (laughs) oh my God, like, I can't, like, I don't even know, like, no, like this kid like goes to this really cool school. Like we're like totally different. Like, and I was just intimidated by the sheer amazingness that you've always held. I don't know how I would have gotten there if it wasn't, if it wasn't for having you on the other side of the computer screen, some of those nights, you know, like I would ask you if I was going to go to hell or like what you thought about gay people being sinners. And I would ask you what TV shows you were watching or where you were shopping. And like, you were the only example I had of like a lived reality that was giving me some sort of sense that it was going to be okay. Because there were a lot of nights that I would go to bed as a teenager wishing I wouldn't wake up because I didn't want to do it anymore, you know? And you were the only thing I had. You were the only lifeline I had. You know, a thousand percent. Um, I'm glad that I could do that for you. But feeling that way was a feeling that we all shared. And I think ultimately, mm-hmm. what do kids that age or anyone in general, the human experience is about trying to be seen and really kind of holding the reflection that you find of yourself and other people, right? That's when you feel like, 
validated and you have the strength to kind of persevere and move forward when you're like, okay, there are others sharing this reality with me. Yeah. It felt, um, it felt like bizarrely full circle when it was 2019. I'm editing Out Magazine, which is like one of the first publications I ran to Borders to pick up after I came out of the closet. Um, and it's Pride. So it's it's 2019 Pride, which was the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. And my whole team had been like, if we're throwing a dinner, we have to have Lufty do our flowers. And so we walk into the uh, standard where we were hosting this dinner. Lil' Kim was my guest of honor. So I had to sit with Lil' Kim for the dinner, which was amazing. And we wrapped together the wrap to Lady Marmalade because I am that much of an F word. And of course, you know, Lifty was invited to the dinner and and you had helped arrange all of the flowers for that evening. And you were there in the audience that night. And it was this really bizarre full circle moment to be like going from this child on the internet who had no one except this stranger who took him seriously or to talk to. And then to be editing the world's biggest gay magazine on the 50th anniversary of the most significant event in LGBTQ civil rights history. And there you were. It was like you were always meant to be there. I mean, I, of course, picture myself um, beside, um, you know, notorious names like Little Kim, Honey, (laughs) the rest of the girls. You know what I mean? Like, that's exactly the room you would be with me and we would be sharing that space. So, yes, it was completely full circle. This is where, like, we belonged in the first place. It was actually super iconic. And that did something for us, especially for Lutfi, because he's, like, the lead and... um, our company, Rosalila, that really, like, it, it did so much for us. It changed the the whole path of our career. It really made a big, big difference in, you know, into where we are today. And it's that. I think that when you have a solid sense of family, when you develop the sense of community, when you know, right? Because it's like, I don't have to speak to you constantly, but you know that if you just, ha- you all you have to do is like reach out and you know that it's going to be just where you left me. Mm. You know that I'm going to have the open arms. You know that I'm going to see you as a girl. You know that you're a sister in my community and the love is there, you know? And that's what I love about being gay, really, honestly. It's like right. probably one of the best things. It's, and I don't know if straight people have that. I don't know that they do. And, and it's interesting to, because when we talk about like living life on these borders or, you know, being marginalized. I think that's one way or one form of language that people use to describe us. I prefer to think about us as living outside of the expectations of what everyone else was raised in. And when we were raised outside of those expectations, even though it was scary at first, like I said, what you don't realize is what an immense gift it is to be at least partially, and even if just temporarily, released from the shackles of those expectations so that you can form your own ideas about yourself and family and community. And since you know what it means to feel alone or like the only one, you now walk through life with that greater sense of of empathy and also an innate sense of belonging and the wherewithal to say, I can change this for myself and I can find my people if I need to. And so I don't need to feel alone. And there is just like 
this immense spiritual power that that comes with that lived experience. 1000%. I feel like trusting the vibration you're putting out to the universe, the love that you're giving is the love that you will receive. And having faith in that is something that gets me through every day because not only did we find each other, yeah, there was a lot of like, you know, a couple weird things that happened, right? But to think that we found each other and how relevant we still are to each other's lives and how we can still relate and we have commonalities and all these threads, it's because at some point before we were aware of us now, we were, you know, we had the understanding, we had the knowing. Mm. And it's like, it's not that I'm like big on past lives. It's just a thing that I do feel that like, you know, we are ourselves in different timelines. And I always say this thing, so, oh, future me did such a great job. <laughs> oh, yes, future me. Like, and it could be small, right? Whether I like, you know, like left my toothbrush, like set up in the morning. But it's like when these things happen, right? When you understand that you've made friends before you understood what they were going to be in your life. That to me is mm-hmm. the magic of our like queer existence. It totally is. And yeah, it's incredible to think that a stranger I met on the internet when I was 13 years old will always feel like home to me. So thank you so much. Um, babe, thank you. Honestly, I have, I have nothing but wonderful things to say about how our, you know, chance meeting online has completely been a catalyst for wonderful things in my life. Likewise. I can't also believe that you never seem to age. I hate being white. You know, that's a real thing, honey. You really have to... (laughs) Being white is not easy. The older I get, the more I understand it. I was like, these girls really have to put in the work, bro. It's like retin-A. You have to shellac it. Oh, you have no idea. Now that we're in our 30s, it's a whole different thing. It's like, listen, you know, girls have to squat. You know, you have to keep your mobility on track. Things are yeah, things are hard. Things are hard. This, I mean, maybe that's the source of white anger in America. <laughs> no, I meant to ask you: Did you ever get a chance to go to Bagley when we were in Boston? When you were at that age, I never went, girl. That, I was too scared. You no, know, shout out to them and shout out to whatever church that whole thing happened to. But that was like also like one of my like most epic coming of age moments was going. It was a dance at a church. Yeah. At the gay prom somewhere in Copley square. I mean, not Copley square that the church right in front of the, the Commonwealth park. Okay. Don't know. But that was like so epic for me. Like I met. Well, I hope it's still happening. I hope so too. I hope that is actually still a thing. Let me hold on. I'm Googling it before I let you go. Bagley prom is the oldest LGBTQ plus youth prom in the nation. Featured in photography by Zoe Perry Wood in a Time article in 2012, the dance continues to be one of the largest LGBTQ plus youth gatherings in the country. Sounds like something for us to potentially come together once again on. Well, let's put that into the universe. Do that. Let's do it. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's call Kim. Lil' Kim. We're... <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a whole reunion. Oh my God, that would be epic. <laughs> My gosh, Bambi, thank you so much. I adore you. Thank you for sharing um, your time and space with me this morning. I appreciate it. Um, Thank you for having me on your yellow couch. Um, I feel galvanized and fully ready to start my day today. Yes, galvanized. 
I want to thank Bambi so much for taking the time to chat with me. And I also just want to do a quick shout out. I don't often end these episodes with any sort of advice because I definitely do not want to be a preacher, even though I am at Divinity School now. But I will say, I found the process of acknowledging our younger selves and also acknowledging what kind of healing that younger self needs to be a really powerful exercise. And if that means for you looking at pictures of your younger self, going way back in those Facebook photos, thinking about what you used to wear, thinking about who you used to be, what you used to think, um, and extending grace to that young person, I highly recommend it. I've been journaling a lot about this time in my life lately, writing a lot about it, and obviously talking to Bambi was an immense part of that healing process. So thanks for coming along on this part of my journey with me. And I hope that you also are able to extend some much needed love and grace to the young person inside of you. I'll see you next week. Unholier Than Thou is a Crooked Media production. Our executive producer is me, Philip Picardi. Our producer is Leslie Martin, and Brian Semmel is our associate producer. Our editors are Kareem Duwady, David Grinbaum, and Sarah Gibalaska. The theme music is by Taka Yasuzawa. deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.